0: Go listen to the Specialty Stories podcast for this week, where we talk to a gastroenterologist who specializes in interventional endoscopy. Again, that's Specialty Stories, session number 34. This is The Pre-Med Year, session number 245. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The pre Years where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, I will share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. If you're thinking about going to medical school, which I'm assuming you are if you're listening to this, then your thoughts should be on AMSA's Pre-Med Fest, which takes place November 4th and 5th, At the University of South Florida in Tampa. I will be there. You should be too. Come gain insight on how to best present yourself as a medical school candidate, how to succeed in the toughest classes you'll ever take, and how to emerge from the experience as a healthy, happy physician, something a lot of people aren't doing right now. Explore topics like cornea transplantation, genetics, and narrative medicine. You'll also get the chance to suture and splint and much more. And oh, by the way, I said I'll be there. I'll be talking about the interview process. I'll have a table set up. You can come and say hello. So, wherever you are, come fly in, come drive in, and you can save some money off the regular registration fee by using the discount code MSHQ17 until October 25th, 2017. Register early, though. Again, that's MSHQ17. Go to AMSApremedFest.org. Now, this week, I have an amazing guest, a couple of guests, actually, two guests, to talk about something that I think you are going to enjoy. If you are in Texas or hoping to apply to medical school in Texas, you need to listen to this episode. If you're not applying to Texas, guess what? You need to listen to this episode. I am going to talk to two people that are behind the scenes at the TMDSAS, that's the Te- Texas Medical and Dental School Application Service. I talked to Enrique, and I talked to Dr. Wright, who's actually the, the man in charge, and guess what? He's got a great sense of humor, as you will find out later on. I asked him about his title, and he said he's the god of the admissions universe. Great title. I loved it. Of course, he's in Texas. What would you expect him to say? Let's go ahead and dive in, talk all about the Texas Application Service, and get some behind-the-scenes information that I think will help you on your journey to applying to Texas medical schools, and all medical schools for that matter. So Dr. Wright, Enrique, thanks for joining me here on the Pre-Med Years Podcast.
1: You're welcome. Thank you very hey, much for hey. having us.
0: So TMDSAS. I think one of the biggest questions that students have when it comes to the Texas Medical and Dental Application Service is why the heck does Texas have their own application service? So let's dive into some of the history of the TMDSAS and and why it stands alone.
1: Well, that's a very good question. And uh, it's interesting that you asked that question because uh, next year 2018 uh, represents the 50th year 5-0 of uh, our application service serving the needs of students in texas so the precursor to tmdsas which was known then as the medical and dental application center was began in 1968 uh, which is fully five years prior to AMCAS starting. So, as with most things, uh, Texas set the tone for the nation. Uh, we, uh, we began the, the idea of a centralized application service for the schools in Texas, and uh, it was really uh, a, a great idea, and it's really benefited, I think, students in it. so the first answer to that question is we really predate uh, amcas secondly the state legislature of texas limits the number of non residents that can go to a medical school in texas to 10% so only 10% non residents can enter or be in the classes for the texas medical schools so it behooves i think the texas schools to have a rich pool of Uh, applicants from inside the state. So uh, this is a benefit I think to the schools to be able to say uh, we're getting largely Texas residents applying. It's not to say that non-residents should not apply, but I do think uh, because of the limitations that the legislature puts on the medical schools, it benefits uh, all of us to have a, central, a centralized application service that uh, is uh, just for the Texas schools. Uh, I would also hasten to add that we work diligently to keep the costs low. <clears throat> so for example, to apply, we have a flat fee, so to apply to all the medical schools in Texas, all the state-supported medical schools in Texas, there's a flat fee of $150. Uh, to apply to an equivalent number of schools through Amcas, be five or six hundred dollars. Uh, so we are able to because we're in Texas and because we're only serving Texas schools uh, to keep the cost low. So that's also a factor. And I, w- I suppose I would hasten to add that um, we are Texas, uh, <laughs> and so we have to do things differently.
0: I think that was the shortest and easiest answers, which were Texas. Dr. Wright, you'd mentioned the, the kind of the mandate that the state has uh, with less than or, or no more than 10% out of state. What that mandate I'm assuming only applies to the public schools in Texas or do, do they extend the reach into the private schools as well?
1: No, there's actually at this point only two private schools in Texas, Baylor College of Dentistry and the newest one in San Antonio, the Incarnate Word uh, Osteopathic Medical School. Uh, So the remainder of the schools in Texas are state-supported, and you're absolutely correct that the the legislation only affects the uh, publicly-supported schools.
0: And Baylor if I am not mistaken, does not participate in the TMDSAS. Does the new private osteopathic school participate?
1: Uh, They do not. Okay.
0: So the TMDSAS seems to be for the public medical schools only.
1: Right. That's correct. Public medical, dental, and veterinary
0: schools. Yes. Yeah. yeah, The other ones. I I always forget to mention those other ones because I I only talk to the pre-med students, but I know they exist. Um, so is is the TMDSAS, is that a... You talked about how it keeps the costs low compared to AMCAS and ACOMIS. Is it a government-run program?
1: Uh, we get no funding from uh, the state of Texas. Uh, we fund uh, TMDSAS strictly through application fees uh, from the students, we try to keep the cost low to encourage applications from anyone that's interested. And we're able to do that by um, a small staff and uh, and uh, we don't have a lot of the overhead costs that Amcast uh, does. <clears throat> so we, we even though Amcast has a fee assistance program, we do not. And that's largely because we keep the cost low for everyone. So we want to, uh, you know, anybody that's interested in potentially um, medical education in Texas, we want them to feel comfortable applying and, and $150 is uh, a plausible amount to uh, to commit to uh, to doing that for a, a total of 10 schools.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. What, we had talked about kind of the, the, the purpose and the goal is to promote Texas applicants. Is there, one of the biggest questions that came up was what if I'm a new resident? They they meet the residency requirements. They've been in the state for a year, whatever Texas says they have to be. Is mm-hmm. is there a flag on the application that says, oh, this student has just barely became a resident versus somebody that's been a resident their whole life?
1: No, it's you're either you either meet the residency requirements or you don't, and uh, we don't flag the application to say, well, you know, they've been a resident for a short time or a long time or whatever. So it's either yes or no.
0: Awesome. What are some of the, the biggest differences if somebody were looking at AMCAS and a Comis and then looking at TMDSAS, maybe at the last minute to, to add on some schools, what are some of the differences that they should be prepared for?
1: Well, I think the questions differ uh, somewhat uh, between the three application services. Um, what I would encourage applicants to do is ahead of time, um, you know, at the beginning of the process to review the questions uh, on all three of the applications to understand exactly uh, how they're asked. I think generally the applications, um, like I said, are very similar in terms of what the information that we're trying to get. We just ask the questions in somewhat different of a way. Particularly on the personal statement or the application essay, it may be uh, phrased a little bit differently. Uh, largely, however, I think that you're going to find that uh, that if if an applicant works diligently to develop a a strong, uh, very uh, uh, let's see a strong and a very extensive resume with all the detailed information. Relevant to their life since graduating from high school, then they're going to be able to answer those questions, regardless of the application service and regardless of what the specific question is. They're going to be able to answer those in a very, uh, in, in a you know fairly straightforward, easy kind of way. Um, I think it's just uh, the, the the way that the different application services uh, um, put their put their questions. Uh, depends on kind of what their goals are, what they're looking for from the applicant, what their constituent institutions, the medical schools want to hear from them. Uh, obviously, what we have in Texas with only 10 schools cooperating together, we have the ability to uh, really work very carefully, very extensively, very directly with our institutions. Uh, we meet twice a year with the deans and directors. Uh, to go over where we want to enhance questions, where we want to make changes, uh, et cetera. Whereas with, for example, AMCAS, where there's almost 125 schools that they're dealing with, uh, it's really not possible for them to craft those questions into ways that reach the very core of what those institutions are wanting, which is why you see so many institutions nationally uh, with uh, secondary applications uh, which uh, uh, is unfortunate, but I, I, you know, I understand it some of the Texas schools have secondaries as well, so uh, it makes sense to me.
0: Where do you see the majority of students making mistakes as they're filling it out? And again, focusing on the, the pre-med student applying to medical schools. Right. When, when, when students are, are emailing you and, and calling you and saying, you guys, you guys are messing up my application. I'm never going to get into med school. What are these mistakes that they're making?
1: You know, I think largely my, my sense is that often uh, many of the mistakes that are made are because the students rush through it. Uh, we, we open our application every year on or about May the 1st. We literally have people who submit their applications on May the 1st. Uh, So they're taking less than 24 hours to complete one of the most important documents they've ever completed. And, and they mess stuff up. They rush through it. Uh, We literally have people, and this is not a uh, over, this is not an overstatement. We, we have people who, um, a, a good example is we, uh, each section of the application has to have something in it and be saved before a student can submit it. We every year have people who submit their application with in the personal statement part of the application. Instead of there being a personal statement there, it simply says, come back and do this later. <laughs> and 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 of course, once they realize that they've done that, they're horrified. But so I, I would say one of the biggest mistakes that we, uh, we encounter uh, are students that rush through things, make mistakes, misspell words, grammatical issues, left stuff off. And uh, then they contact us later and say, oh, my gosh, I've, I realized that I made this mistake. How can I you know, make a change to this? And the answer is there's no changes. Once you push the submit button, it's done. Uh, we don't open it back up for you. Uh, for anybody and uh, the med school is going to see whatever it is that you submitted. So that's a big thing is for the students to slow down, to take their time, to proofread everything. So that's a big thing. Course entry is a probably one of the biggest parts of the application. Uh, This is where we require that a student uh, enter a variety of data points for every course they've ever taken post high school graduation, uh, which in some ways you now have dual credit and uh, college, uh, high school college stuff counts in, in that. But so basically every college course they've ever taken, they're entering a variety of data points. And uh, that's very labor intensive. And so often they try to get around that by only, only entering one class per semester uh, uh, or um, they get Uh, things mixed up they don't get their transcripts right and so they get uh, stuff not uh, correct when they're entering those courses the gpa calculation that we complete uh, depends on the entry of those courses and then of course we verify that what they entered is what is on their transcript so that's another big point is that they students need to have their transcripts from every school they've attended they're in front of them while they're entering this stuff so that they're accurate and uh, they don't make mistakes and uh, that that can be a, a, a real big help uh, for students in the process. So those are those are a couple of the really big ones.
0: Let's go behind the scenes if if we're allowed when when somebody clicks submit on their application they've had their transcripts sent to TMDSAS is is there a physical person sitting there looking at that transcript and and going line by line through an application?
1: Yep, indeed there is.
0: Okay, some yeah. some sweet behind the scenes look there. <laughs> um, that's that's awesome, and and I'm sure a lot of students don't do that. They they just go off of memory, They're like oh, I took this class and this class, and I think I got an A, and and they don't realize the the. Um, the effect that it can have if somebody messes up their their transcripts is that something where that gets sent back to them to fix or is that something that you guys fix on your end
1: it depends a little bit on the extent of uh of the uh error or of the of how, how how that plays out um so for example if uh, we do have students, particularly toward the end of the cycle when the deadline is approaching, where they try to rush through it and they, <clears throat> they enter every semester that they were in school, but then they only enter one class per semester so that the application will let them save. And uh, in that case, we're going to bump it right back to them, or we're going to process their application uh, just like that, uh, send, it to the, uh, send it to the medical schools and the medical schools are going to see that they uh, screwed it up and that they uh, were not interested in, in following instruction. <clears throat> the application service, whether it's TMDSAS or AMCAS or ECOMAS, um, regardless, We're a part of the continuum of this process. And uh, I know for sure in Texas that uh, we take it very seriously, our role in we take it very seriously. And um, I will tell you that uh, when we encounter students that lie, where we determine that it was an intentional uh, falsification, which does happen, uh where we um, where we understand that they're trying to hide you know some classes that they didn't want in the GPA or whether it's uh, we've had students who um, tried to submit uh, letters of recommendation from uh, false people that, that uh, it was um, uh, really from themselves uh, We've had you know just a variety of things. Uh, what happens with that is that the medical schools, not only in Texas, are told that this is a, uh, they are flagged, it's just, that this is a, a problem application and, and here's the issues. But we also send a letter directly to AMCAST and to ACOMAS, uh, letting them know who the applicant is, what the infraction was. So this is very serious stuff, and, and we take it very seriously. and The students need to take it seriously that uh that they're entering a profession they're seeking to enter a profession that is a profession that has ethics and has uh, moral standards that society expects uh them to uh to uphold and we're gonna we're gonna do that from the get-go uh so that's probably a little bit more than you wanted to hear on that question
0: no that's perfect I, I, think that's great information. One of the, one of the things that I see a lot of when you, you go onto the different forms and pre-meds talking kind of in the, in the alleyways is to be like, Oh, I, I took a summer class and I did really poorly, but it's the only class I took at that institution. I'm not going to put it on my application. Now there, there is a national registry database for classes, does TMD SAS actively use that for every application and go and look for other classes that might not be on your application?
1: Uh, usually that will come up on a, uh, a subsequent school's transcript. Uh, that's a, a very big way that that comes up uh, where we get a transcript from X school and it shows that they were in transfer from another school. The other... The other um, way that that comes up later in the process is uh under financial aid so let's say they get into a school into a medical school and uh they're going to apply for financial aid at that medical school and all of a sudden that medical school under the financial aid uh offices the fafsa uh, stuff like that, it'll come up that that's, that that uh, student was at a, another institution that wasn't on their application, and I can tell you that if it gets to that level, uh, if it goes that far into the process, uh, that student's out. That they'll be dismissed before they even start.
0: Yeah, as they should be. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, peeling back some of the 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 veil of secrecy, so to so to speak students always want to know what medical schools see when applications are transmitted to them. So they enter in all the information in the TMDSAS. When schools get it, are they getting an email with a PDF or is it a, a portal that they're signing into? Or do they see what a student's going to print out uh, from their application service?
1: No. Uh, what we do is... Um we transmit every data point that we have to all the medical schools and then it's the medical school's responsibility to load whatever they want to upload into their given admission system, which varies by medical school, uh, whatever data points they want to use in their process. Uh, but we're we're communicating with the, the medical schools, everything uh, that we have, they get. Uh, so, what happens is the individual medical school is going to upload into their system. And depending on the medical school, that's going to look in a variety of different ways. Um, so they, But they're going to see everything, potentially. Uh, so they're going to see GPAs in a lot of different ways. They're going to see MCAT scores in a lot of different ways. Uh, they're going to see the answers to their questions. They're going to see the the personal statement. You know, every everything potentially that mm. that we have access to, they're going to have access to. Yeah,
0: and they'll they'll filter and sort however they want. That's correct. Mm. Yeah. The um, with TMDSAS, the the uh, Acomas and AMCAS, typically they open up. And you can submit at a later date. ACOMIS uh, changed a little bit recently, the last couple of years. Um, and even after you submit, there's a delay when the schools actually receive the kind of first wave of applications. When a student submits, uh, you guys open May 1st. If they submit that first week of May, is there a delay before schools are getting it? Or are they Or Are schools getting it as soon as students are clicking submit?
1: No, we we go through a processing um, uh, uh, effort uh, to where where we verify that they've entered <clears throat> the information correctly, uh, particularly with regard to the uh, course course entry stuff, because that's what produces the GPA calculations. Um, and and I also would hasten to add one of the differences. Uh, sometimes between TMDSS and and, uh, the other application services, is we do not calculate pluses and minuses. So it's strictly an A, B, C, D, F uh, generation on the the GPA calculation. Uh, In addition, every course attempt is calculated into the GPA. So if they took Organic Chemistry 1, made a C, they retook it a semester later and made an A, both of those grades are going to be calculated into the GPA. It's not just the latter one or not the better one. Uh, So those are some differences that students need to be aware of. Um, But but in answer to your question, what, what happens is the student pushes submit, that goes into a queue, a processing queue, And uh, our processors are going to look through that application. They're going to review a variety of points in the application, in particular, the way that the student has coded the classes, whether the classes are, uh, for example, whether it's a biology class or not, whether it's a science class or other science or non-science, which will affect uh, the the calculation of the GPA, whether it's the uh, by the biology, chemistry, physics, math, GPA, or it goes into the non-science GPA. So all of that processing is going to go on. And then once that is finished, then then the application goes into a queue to be transmitted to the schools. So depending on the time of year will dictate how long that process between when they push the submit button, and when it gets transmitted to the school, how long that's going to take. Uh, We typically say in the height of the uh, application cycle that that can take up to four weeks. Uh, We strive to make it less than that. But we do have uh, on our website, we also have Twitter and uh, and our Facebook page uh, examples where we tell students up front what date we're working on. We, like this week, we're working on uh, applications that were submitted on X date so that they can know, okay, I submitted on this date, so it looks like I've got another couple of weeks to wait before my, you know, application. So we try to be as upfront as possible with uh, information for them so they'll get an idea of, of uh, how long it's going to take before the, the med schools actually get their stuff.
0: When is that, that height of applications for you guys?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Um it, it, it's kind of shifted, uh, I would say, within the last probably two, three, four years. Uh, it used to be we would get tons of applications uh, in September, because uh, we typically have a, a October 1 deadline, I like think this year it's September 29th. Uh But um, uh, it is very, um, it, we used to get tons of applications in the last week, you know, for example, Uh, There were years where in the last week of the application cycle, we might get 2,000 applications, uh, which is totally crazy uh, for students to wait that long. But nonetheless, um, (laughs) it is – but I would say it's very much shifted. I think the students are getting the message that they need to apply early, and so they're more and more uh, starting to do that. So I would say the biggest – Uh, the the sort of height of the application cycle is usually, I would say, Enrique may even know better on this than me, but I would say probably like late June or late
2: July. Yeah, I think we're in the height of it right now, Uh, just judging from the mountains of transcripts and mail are coming in. Yeah.
0: So it's, it's interesting, Dr. Wright, that you're saying it's been the last three or four years that this has happened, and my podcast has just happened to be out for about four and a half years. So yeah. it, it makes sense. Yeah. You're absolutely. welcome. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about that psychology a little bit. I, I think one of the biggest things that students have is like when they apply to undergrad, a deadline is a deadline and they don't really understand the whole rolling admissions process. What, have you guys had discussions about changing the language of having a deadline to to not having a deadline, but here's, here's the recommendation?
1: We've had no discussions about that. We have discussed, um, you, you know, the med schools really want the applicants to apply early, uh, as early as possible. It gives the med schools more time with the applications. Particularly in a holistic admissions, um, in, within that kind of environment, it takes a lot longer to review applications than in you know twenty or thirty years ago when it was really very number oriented mm-hmm. um, So I, I think that, um, you know, I think the schools really feel like they want the students to submit as early as possible. So what we have sort of talked about is a graduated application fee. So for example, uh, if a student applied before September 1st, it'd be $150. If they applied after September the 1st, it'd be $250. Yeah. I like that. Which encourages the students to 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 apply earlier, uh, which benefits them because they save money, but it also benefits them because the school's going to get their stuff a lot earlier.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good idea. Obviously, the monetary... Uh, pain is is a big one, especially for college students.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: What other information have we not talked about that you think would be good for students to know?
1: Well, we really haven't talked about what a great guy I am personally.
0: <laughs> Besides that, as as your title, God of the admissions universe. <laughs> uh, um,
1: well, you know, I, 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 I seriously, I do think that. Um, One of the things uh, uh, that is, in my view, crucial, uh, particularly in the environment that we're in, um, is that students recognize that um, everything that they do, from the minute they step on their college campus, is going to affect their application. The organizations that they get involved in, the amount of time that they study, the the, the efforts that they make in class to engage and concentrate, uh, the friendships that they make both in and out of the classroom, uh, the uh, connections they make with uh, professors, every, I can't stress it enough, everything they do is going to build on that application. And, uh, and and I think that what I try to communicate to students when I go out and speak, uh, which I think sometimes is lost on them, is that the second you step on the campus as a freshman um, or as a transfer student, uh, the second you um, start to go to class, you're filling out your application. And uh, you've got to envision it in that way and if you don't uh if you if you lose sight of that then it can have dire impact on uh, your success we emphasize in in, uh, in a lot of ways and we talk a lot about this issue, this idea of holistic admissions uh, but i i believe firmly that what society expects of its physicians What medical schools want out of students that come into their institutions uh, are students that have strong personal qualities. They're ethical. They're honest. They have a a strong degree of integrity. They know how to communicate with each other. They are empathetic. They have a sense of the, the, the broader picture of what it is that they're doing. And, uh, and we're going to be spending some time at TMDSAS over the course of the next, probably uh, next couple of months, we'll be doing some podcasts on uh, personal competencies. And, uh, and I want to encourage your listeners uh, to visit the TMDSAS website and, and listen to some of those podcasts because I think they're vital and I think that the American Medical Education. Uh, in addition to American Dental Education, really are emphasizing these issues of personal uh, quality, the, the quality of a, of a student's personal um, life, their interpersonal skills, their intrapersonal skills. Uh, very, very important. And uh, we see uh, a lot of students who, uh, who fail on, on that, those uh, issues. Maybe they have great MCAT score, maybe they have a great GPA, but they can't carry on a conversation, and that's going to be problematic. And I would really emphasize uh, for your listeners uh, that this is a you know that they need to envision when they go to the doctor, what do they want to see, and that's what everybody else wants to see, and that's the person they need to be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they, they need to understand that when they're sitting there in front of the interview, or even before then, when the, the the admissions committee members looking at their application, the question running through their mind is, will I want this person treating me, or my Absolutely. family member, or
1: whoever? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I can't, I, I can't if it says that more. Uh, I, I remember I took my daughter to uh, the doctor one year. She had broken her arm in uh, soccer, I think. And uh, we walked into the orthopedic surgeon's uh, examination room. We were probably in there for, Uh, Maybe 10 or 12 minutes and um, he stood there and talked to us for those 10 or 12 minutes and not once during the entire 10 to 12 minutes did he look either one of us in the eyes. He looked at the ceiling, he looked at the floor, he looked at the window. He looked at the x-ray. Never once did he make any personal connection whatsoever. and i I was just flabbergasted and I, I was like we're we're out of here. you know we we'll find somebody who's going to treat you as a patient and not just your broken arm.
0: Wow, so Dr. Wright. I, I know you. You think you're the god of the admissions universe, but <laughs> Enrique is the god of the the TMDSAS podcast. Enrique, absolutely, that's right. Tell me about why you guys started this podcast, and and maybe for somebody just finding it. Uh, I, I know all my listeners are going to go jump over there. Where should they start?
2: Uh, well. The genesis of the idea was me running into Dr. Wright's office and telling him, hey, I think we should start a podcast. <laughs> uh, and he he said, okay, go for it. And <laughs> then I realized what I'd gotten myself into. Um, but essentially, the, the whole idea of the podcast was to leverage the level of collaboration that all of the TMDSAS participating institutions have uh, and really uh, connecting with uh, the different admissions officers and different advisors throughout the state that I've been able to come in contact with in my eight years in uh, medical admissions in Texas, uh, and try to get them to offer some advice to applicants who may be uh, may not necessarily know what kind of questions to ask. So, uh, in in my mind, the the whole concept of our podcast was to acclimate of. Um, potential applicants or current applicants to the world of medical, dental, and veterinary admissions and uh, getting them to understand what the schools are looking for and how they can develop the different qualities that the schools are looking for. Uh, And so from there, we've actually uh, actually just finished our first series where we're meeting all of the deans of admissions at all of the schools. Uh, And last week, we started a series for non-traditional applicants. Uh, and so we're, we're going back to some of the some of the deans that offer to help uh, some of the advisors uh, that want to tailor certain topics to nontraditional applicants. And really, when you think about what a nontraditional applicant is, um, they're a person who may be looking at starting uh, a second career in medicine or in dentistry or veterinary medicine. Uh, they could be somebody who uh, took a gap year. They could be somebody who's re- uh, a reapplicant. And they all come from different backgrounds, but the, the, the ideas that come from them and the drive that they have to get into, into these schools uh, is really mitigated by the fact that they don't always have access to somebody who can help uh, an advisor or somebody they could reach out to. And so we're, we're using the podcast in, in creative ways like that to help connect all of our applicants and, and many times new advisors throughout the state uh, to figuring out what to do in order to prepare for all of professional school.
0: I think that's a, a great thing to have, especially coming from an official place like you guys are. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I've been doing the podcast now for four and a half years, basically for the same exact reasons. Uh, and the majority of the people that listen to this podcast are non-traditional students because they don't have access to two advisors mm-hmm. on their college campus. And so they're always out looking for more information. So I think that's right. that's a, a, a great service um, that you guys are providing to, to again, kind of collaborate more with the institutions and, and help the students out there. As, Enrique
1: is, it, it, I would just hasten to add that Enrique is offering to personally meet with every non-traditional <laughs> student. His number is 512- <laughs>
2: We're
1: going to cut you off right there. <laughs> the power Actually, of, The
0: power of editing
1: yeah
2: <laughs> uh, one of the cool things that we're actually developing right now is uh, we're establishing a community for non-traditional applicants. And so uh, off of our Facebook page, we've actually built a built out a group for non-traditional applicants that we we're, we're kind of pushing everyone to join. so um, that way we have a, a community so that each one of these applicants don't, doesn't have to feel that they're completely alone. Um, and so we're, we're hoping to build that out uh, as part of this series. Uh, And in that group, we'll actually be having some webinars hosted with uh, different advisors and different admissions officers on topics that relate to the questions that are coming out of the group.
0: That's awesome. Where do people find the Facebook group and and that non-traditional group? Uh,
2: Actually, if you go to our uh, website, tmdsas.com, we've got a link that takes you straight to a resource page for non-traditional applicants. Uh, and reverting back to your previous question about finding the podcast, uh, we also have a direct link on our homepage for the podcast. We've always got the latest episode of the podcast posted up on there.
0: That's awesome. So Enrique, Dr. Wright, as we wrap up here, uh, what what do you think a a student who is a resident of Texas who wants to go to Texas, what's the number one thing they should be doing right now to to help improve their chances of getting in?
1: Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I think it depends on where they are in the process. You know, if they're uh, if they're uh, in their application year, uh, they're uh, you know just finished their junior year of, of college and they're you know in the middle of filling out the application. I, I would say apply early and uh, be very careful, exacting uh, in the application. Uh, and and to get it submitted so that the schools have easy access to it for as long as they can. Um, If it's a student younger in the process or a non-traditional student who is maybe a year or two out from applying, you know, I think think it's all about making good choices. Uh, Texas is is not unlike any other state uh, in the uh, nation in that we... Um, are looking for strong students, but we're even more so looking for strong people, uh, strong of character. And, uh, and so you make good choices, and good choices produce uh, good results. Uh, I often uh, talk about with um, uh, students when I go visit them, Uh, visit with them that uh, there's this very famous professor um, that I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of who had a very important quote that I I will give to you and this professor's name was Albus Dumbledore (laughs) and uh, Albus Dumbledore says to Harry uh, in one of the books
0: Harry Potter, just in case you're not following along at home (laughs)
1: Uh, He says to Harry Potter, Harry, who you, basically the quote is, who you are is a product of your choices, not your abilities. And so, your students, the students listening to your podcast, the students listening to our podcast, the students that are applying now or that will apply two years from now, you have choices to make. Make wise choices. That is going to affect in uh, uh, multiple ways, how successful you are in the medical school admissions process.
0: All right, so there you have it. Again, that was Enrique and Doctor Wright from the TMDSAS. I highly recommend you go check out their podcast. It's just called the TMDSAS podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Go find them, listen to them, give them a rating or review. Go share it with. Guess who? Your advisors. That's where you should be sharing that one. Um, I think your advisors would love to hear an official podcast from the official application service for the great state of Texas. Thank you, Enrique and Dr. Wright, for taking the time to chat with me. I hope you listening were able to get some great advice. And as always, I hope you join us next week here at the Pre-Med Years and Med-Ed Media.